Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. During our lowest prices of the season, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 C2 Smart Bed is only $899. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Before you drive the all-new Nissan Rogue, you gotta ask yourself, how rogue are you gonna go? We talking be one with nature in the desert rogue? Go snowshoeing in Alaska rogue? Or take the long way home just because kind of rogue? Just a question, but with five available drive modes, you're sure to find the answer. Go rogue in the all-new, fiercely reimagined 2021 Nissan Rogue. Now with the most standard safety features in its class. See owner's manual for important safety information. Auto Pacific segmentation. 2021 Nissan Rogue versus latest in market competitors. Base models compared. Uh, today on the Callahan podcast, well, it looks like they finally got him. The media, the the liberals, they finally got Tucker Carlson. He's being named in a uh, lawsuit accused of sexual harassment uh, and it's not pretty it's not pretty i gotta say she uh she said she was tied down well not really tied down her mic was still clipped on and he told her that he was staying in a hotel that's it man i think he may be done we'll give you all the details of this this wacky lawsuit against tucker and hannity uh, by the way um also boston globe in in, in florida Kids are going to go back to school and go back to playing sports. The Boston Globe calls that criminal. Criminal. Uh, we'll tell you who's going to throw out the first pitch for the Washington Nationals and who was the first woke major league manager to take a knee. Uh, you'll not be surprised at all. We'll get into all that with uh, Tom Shattuck. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is the Callahan Podcast. Brought to you, as always, by DCU, Digital Federal Credit Union. Do you love your car but hate your car payment? No problem. Refinance your car today with DCU, and they could help lower your monthly payment, lower your interest rate, or both. Applying is easy, and their loan experts will help you find the loan term and the payment that fits into your budget. Get out of that high-rate loan and get the interest rate and the payment you deserve from DCU. Learn more and apply today at dcu.org slash refinance, insured by NCUA, membership required. Okay, Callahan, let's do this. This is the Jerry Callahan Podcast. So if you're if you're Tucker Carlson, this is your life now. You, you go on a, uh, whatever it was, a four-day vacation, go trout fishing, uh, you come back and the New York Times is uh, threatening to dox you. I mean, uh, I'm not surprised they will do anything. They will they would stop at any, they will stop at nothing to destroy this man. He is the voice of the resistance. As I pointed out to Jason Whitlock, he is pushing back harder than anybody against the current uprising, the anarchy. And um, so last night he talked about it. We can get to that. The New York Times uh, and and their goons, their friends, chased him out of his last residence, and now he moved somewhere else. And they're threatening to dox him, to publicize his address. They say they're not, but we know they are. They're gonna. They've already taken pictures of where he lives, and they want to. And I, I believe this one hundred percent. They want to hurt him, his wife, his kids. They want to make their lives miserable because they dare, dare, you know, criticize the. Uh, the, the, the current movement, but 
there was also another story which got my attention, and I'm I'm prepared to to see see this thing repeated over and over and over again for the next at least the next hundred and four days. Uh, he's involved in a lawsuit. I don't know if you've seen the Shattuck. A, a, a woman, two women, are suing Fox News because they said one of them said they were raped by uh she was raped by Ed Henry, who's recently fired, but they also said they were harassed by Hannity and Tucker. So naturally you say, whoa, this could be, this could be big. Let's be honest. His predecessor, <laughs> Bill O'Reilly, <laughs> a big star until, you know, the truth came out and he was, and we learned he was a sexual predator and he paid $30 million to his victims and he was gone. And I'm thinking, is this how it ends for Tucker? You know, I mean, these guys are, you know, they're type A, they're alpha dogs. They're, 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 they're some of them like apparently at Henry are animals. Uh, so I'm look. I'm like, ooh, this first thing I get up this morning. I guess I say I got to get this lawsuit or get the details, and it's it's comical. I guess this is where it's going to be. Now it's comical. Um, again, Ed Henry, he's in trouble. They're accusing him of violent, of you know, violent sexual assault. You have you seen what they're what uh, this one woman Abreu uh, Areu used to? They used to call her the liberal Sherpa. Arayu, have you seen what she's alleging yet, Tom? Yes, I did. By the way, good morning, savages. It's nice to see you both. So, yes, uh, uh, I, I prefer um, uh, soulless savages. That's right. I saw that you in the be a good name. That'd be a good name for a podcast. Soulless savages. What do you think? <laughs> the Tucker. The um, yeah, I have seen uh, the allegation against him, and it, it it is unbelievable that even a lawyer would take that. And Good. you know, put his reputation on the line. No, it's fantastic. He tied her down, is what I understand. <laughs> See, I always I, I can say this without hesitation. I think people like Bill O'Reilly and and Roger Ailes and apparently Ed Henry are despicable. I have never um, come. I've never done anything like this. I could say it. I'm, I'm I could throw throw stones because I'm. I'm I'm not living in a glass house here. I've never done what they have done. I never would do that. I I've never come close to doing that. I mean, it's uh, it's it's not something that I've ever experienced. And but this maybe because the lawsuit. Have you seen it yet, Cullinane? I have seen it. I've seen it. Yep. It's alleging that Tucker Carlson. Get ready for this. Told a woman that he is staying in a hotel room. In and New York, and, and, his wife, and his wife and kids would not be there with him. Is, is uh, right, right. Yeah. So, so she, he's having a conversation. He says, "Yeah, I'm up in New York for the Christmas party or whatever meetings, whatever." He's up in New York for meetings and Christmas party, and he said, "I'm in a hotel. My yes. wife and kids are not with me." Which, why would you bring you know your wife and kids if you know for a night in New York if you're working? Um, anyway, that's it. As far as I could tell, I just read the whole complaint Hannity is I guess a little worse Hannity threw a hundred dollars he loves to show off his money he's he always uh, promising to pay for things if you watch his show he's always saying I'll pick up the tab I'll donate to the charity in your name and all that he, he he's almost as proud of his uh his paycheck as he is of his skill as a jujitsu warrior he's a very skilled uh, in, in, in the martial arts he threw a hundred bucks on the table and said who wants to take her for a date I guess that's inappropriate. That's dumb. They're, they're not. <laughs> I think 
the liberals out there who are trying to bring down Fox, trying to bring down Hannity and Tucker are, are going to be really disappointed when they get to this complaint. Uh, I don't know what else. Well, I, I would also think that especially after Roger Ailes and, and they've said this, right, they do these they do these outside investigations all the time now. And you would want to protect shows like or, or at least do as much inve- investigating as humanly possible on shows on Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity because they're such behemoths. <laughs> so, so you want to have oh, yeah. the information at your disposal. And they came out right away and said that all their, you know, outside investigations, nothing has come up. So and I, something and something very, you know, something very real and, and came up with, um, with Henry and they got rid of him, you know, in a, and then they dumped him. I mean, and he's, he's in trouble. He's in big trouble. I'm not sure. What, where the criminal complaint lies here, but the, uh, the, the, it certainly sounds like he's in trouble in, in civil court and he's not employable anymore. Ed Henry was yeah, not it, a big star, but he was on, you know, he was on in the morning. He was, you know, uh, uh, had a, had a good job, high profile job. He's done. His life is over. His professional career is over. There is no, you know, bouncing back from this. If it, it, it hell, look at O'Reilly. O'Reilly's like doing a a daily commentary from his, uh, you know, from his basement somewhere, trying to uh, recapture his old audience. He's he's it's not going to happen. He's done, and he should be. What he did, I, I always wonder that when I hear people like he he goes on with Hannity on the radio. He goes on with, you know, in Boston. He goes on uh, WRKO occasionally. I'm thinking, do you guys know what exactly O'Reilly is alleged to have done? I mean, it's not, it's not. Uh, telling they, someone that you're in hotel. Do they do that? I don't. I don't listen to RKO. Do they still run that like O'Reilly minute? Shattuck, I'm, not, you know? I'm not sure, but I've heard them on you know with with uh, a couple different shows. I'm pretty stupid, but I'm not stupid enough to run that O'Reilly minute. That is insane. But here's the thing: is that Carlson? The the details of what Carlson is alleged to have done is she literally accused him, the crew, of forcing her to stay on the set and tying her to the chair. Mr. Carlson's tech crew, according to the, the the court filing, refused to undo Miss Arroyo's equipment on set. Therefore, she could not leave the chair. In other words, she had a mic on, you know, a, a, a lavalier mic or whatever that's called. Right. Yep. And, and they refused to do it. The crew came over and said, hey, can you stay to the end of the show? Tucker wants to talk to you. And they didn't undo her mic. So she said that she was essentially bound, like handcuffed to the chair. <laughs> He then changed his clothes after the show. And literally what that means here is that he took off his blazer and put on a leather jacket. And that's it. I mean, this. Yeah, I mean, here, here, here is uh, the uh, contention from Miss Ms. Areu. She says uh, um, that Carlson was hardly making an effort to hide his intentions, uh, telling Miss Areu that he'd be alone in New York City that night. And specifically that he'd be staying alone in a hotel room without wife and kids. Without question, the suit says, Mr. Carlson was probing to see whether Miss Areyu was interested in a sexual relationship. Miss Areyu awkwardly sidestepped Mr. Carlson's advances and declined to spend the night in a, in his hotel room. I mean, it, it, does, it doesn't even say that he asked her to, that no. he wanted. It doesn't no. say that. It says that he told her. He was alone in the city without his family, and he'd be in a hotel. That's now grounds for a civil lawsuit. That that is 
that is Tucker Carlson's life, I guess. I mean, it, it, I guess he's going to get used to it. He's a big, big deal, and they will do whatever it takes to bring him down. But that's it. He told her he would be alone in New York City in a hotel That's It doesn't say he asked her to come with him. Right. And if, if, you know, had this been two and a half years ago, had this been the middle of the Harvey Weinstein stuff, maybe it could have gotten him. But we've moved on now. We're on to, uh, you know, race penalties. So the, the days of automatically being taken down by allegations are are uh, over for now. Maybe they'll come back. It, it matters if, if there's any utility in using it against the president, then they will definitely come back. But this is just it's just craziness. And Hannity has fought these things off before. I mean, some of these guys, you know, are dogs. I had heard stuff about O'Reilly for years and years that um, somebody was at the Super Bowl with him. The first Pat Super Bowl, I think, actually, that one they won. And uh, and and Bill was enjoying himself. And, you know, there's guys in it. There's guys who to very much enjoy themselves in, in show business. But there is a certain amount of stupidity to the idea that that Tucker's game would be to do it in front of everybody, in front of the crew, et cetera, as well. Doesn't make any sense. I've never heard that about him. I've heard that he has a sense of humor like George H.W. Bush, which is a very blue sense of humor. Um, but it's just it's just crap. The, the, I mean, and, is and, what Times is doing in doxing and trying to rule life. I was going to get to that. This is different. This is unbelievable. Again, I say it all the time. I'll say it again. Anyone who buys New York Times is supporting, you know, this kind of uh, this kind of action. Their support. It's not a newspaper. It's just an arm of the, uh, you know, the hard left. They're not. You know, they're not covering the news. They're literally threatening to ruin this guy's life. Their story about where we live is slated to run in the paper this week. Editors there know exactly what will happen to my family when it does run. I called them today and I told them, but they didn't care. They hate my politics. They want this show off the air. If one of my children gets hurt because of a story they wrote, they won't consider it collateral damage. They know it's the whole point of the exercise to inflict pain on our family to terrorize us, to control what we say. That's the kind of people they are. By telling, you know, the Andy Ingram, telling them all, here's where, um, here's where Tucker lives, go get him. Right, and this has been since the revolution in the Times newsroom about a month ago, they've made it very clear that they feel unsafe by the presence of certain people. And so they feel that Tucker has made has put their lives in peril, and so they're mobilized against him. And there's a direct correlation between academia and politics these activist media people and thugs on the ground with Antifa and other actors like that. So yeah, they're, they're motivated to go after him. They've gone after him before and gone after his family before they've gone after his daughter in a restaurant as well. These right. guys, feel, these entitled Wellesley middle-class, upper-class college people, it's the same, all these white middle-class people who look like uh, ace of base and yell at black cops, you know, they feel entitled to, you know, unleash whatever violence they can on, on people because they're at war because they went to, you know, they spent $60,000 at BU and their professor told them to in critical uh, theory studies classes. And so it's freaking dangerous. But and the only time we'll hear about it is, of course, when somebody protects Tucker from these people or the police take them away. Then we'll hear about the um, the militarized police and how they were too rough and cracking down on these on these thugs who want to destroy lives. It's it's happening. I mean, you saw the, the couple who had the machine, the guy who had the machine gun and his wife had the, the pistola a couple of weeks ago when the rioters were walking through their neighborhood, had broken down the gate. 
those people are going to go to jail very possibly. No, I mean, it is it is frightening. We'll, we'll get to the McCloskeys because to me, that's one of the scarier things. Um, let me just double check with you. Let me just check with you. Are you getting uh, feedback from me here? I'm, no, I'm seeing some of the comments. Yeah, you're definitely getting some feedback. Grab your headphones if you could. I, I'm not. Uh, I, I thought he sounded fine. I'm not there getting anything. But, you know, the more I think about this New York Times thing, the more it's f- just totally scary how the people inside, inside just c- totally caved. And now that these now you've got kids, you know, 26 year old, you know, J school kids who are now making the editorial decisions. And so they've scared out people. We talked about last week, Barry Weiss. You know, they turned her away oddly, you know, and I would say oddly tongue in cheek. It seems to be a lot of um, a lot of Jewish writers seem to be chased out of these institutions these days. Uh, and, and then pilloried high profile by um, by all sorts of other people in the mainstream and professional athletes. And they never have to pay the price and look for that to become a bigger problem. It's already been something that's been. Stifled by the New York, the very New York Times, you know, that's doing this, that just purged another Jewish writer is the New York Times that is very reluctant to report on anti-Semitic crimes in the streets of New York. But it's happening left and right. And yet and yet you will see. Uh, how do I sound now? Do I sound any better? It's perfect. You sound oh, perfect. Uh, uh, t- uh, to me, I'll if you were to go to, uh, I don't know, a store today in, uh, you know, Nantucket. Mm-hmm. Or in, you know, Wellesley, you'd see people buying the New York Times and thinking it's, you know, it, it's a real newspaper. It's real news. This, you know, we we, we went through this last week with uh, Barry Weiss. Uh, she's the uh, uh, Jewish writer who was run out of the job because she was <laughs> she wasn't radical enough. She didn't hate Trump enough. She hated him, but didn't hate him enough. And I said at the time, and I'll say it again, who takes this rag seriously? And today. We find out they've assigned a writer and a photographer to chase Tucker Carlson and his family around, to chase them out of one home. They've moved somewhere else, and now they're going after that and threatening to publish pictures of the house and dox him. All right, today's episode brought to you by Flagship Wealth. I got Dave McDonough back with me because today's a great day. We're changing up the guide, and it's not just any guide. I remember in our old radio days, Dave, we gave away the Mid-Year Outlook reports, and that's what we're doing today. Tell me what's inside the Mid-Year Outlook reports. We gave away thousands on the radio, and I have to assume, I'm just going to be honest, I know we have more listeners to this show than we're listening to that show. No disrespect. We're going to give away thousands. Well, David, who doesn't want the crystal ball to where the market's going to be in six months? You know, I'm being a bit facetious, but I'll say this to you. What the report does do, it tells you where we are mid-year, how we got here, where we believe we're going to be at the end of the year, and how we're going to get there. So who doesn't need that where they come to financial planning and investment planning right now? I mean, there's four or five stocks out there, Dave, that are making the market move. Do you want to be a chaser or do you want to be there before the market gets there? And part of putting out this mid-year outlook is getting our clients and our listeners there before everybody else. All right. You heard the man. I can't say it any better than that. You got to get your hands on the 2020 mid-year outlook report. Go to flagshipwealth.com slash retirement, flagshipwealth.com slash retirement. That's the same website we've been telling you this entire time. Or you can click the link in our show notes. That's flagshipwealth.com 
com slash retirement. We're going to give away thousands. I know it because it's such a popular guide. com slash retirement. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC. And we've seen what these, you know, Antifa scum are up to, what they're capable of. We've seen it every day. I'm just watching it right now in Portland. There's all kinds of uh, rioting going on, looting. The mayor in Portland has ordered the police to stay inside mm-hmm. and let these scumbags just let them run wild. And for 53 straight nights, they've destroyed businesses and homes and terrorized taxpayers. And the yeah. mayor and all the all the mayors are saying, we're not going to stop you. Have, have go, go at it. You know, have at it. We're not going to stop you. And so, what's the story coming out of the media, Jerry, from CNN and from the New York Times about what's happening right now in Portland? The story that you're hearing is that unnamed, unmarked federal law enforcement are kidnapping people. That's the story. You know, these are federal. These are federal law enforcement who are in charge of protecting federal buildings, just like the the O'Neill Building in Boston, Massachusetts, or any other federal building. You know, they don't have name tags on because they're getting doxed by these thugs who are you know trying to destroy the buildings. And and, and, and they don't have marked cars because you know what do you think? these Antifa goons would do to a marked car or a marked van. I mean, they're trying to do their job. This amazes me, Shattuck. This amazes me. I said it two, three months ago, whenever this started, you know, two months ago, I said, everybody, universally, everybody condemned the killing of George Floyd, correct? Everybody, everyone on every side of the, everyone, no one has any sympathy or support for Derek Chauvin. I mean, he's in prison, living in, in hell and, and good for it. Good. That's good. That's what he deserves. Why can't we universally condemn Antifa? Why can't we condemn rioting? How does the mayor of a city have any sympathy for these lawless, these, these anarchists who are destroying the city he's elected to serve? I don't understand where this sympathy comes from. I mean, I, I know what you're talking about. Steltler, Steltler on CNN, Brian Steltler, the human potato. He's coming on and said, Oh, it's an exaggeration. Uh, you know, Fox News is 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 making this all up. Uh, uh, Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo giggled about it. Said, "Oh yeah, our cities are burning." <laughs> and if you are on uh, Twitter, if you're following the news, if you're not getting your news from the New York Times or Boston Globe, you see it every day, every night. These mask thugs are mm-hmm. smashing. They're trying to burn down the courthouse. They try every night in Portland. If you're not following this guy, Andy, no. Andy NGO on Twitter, you must. He gives you live reports. He gives you video every night of the of the anarchy in Portland and Seattle and other places. But they're they're trying to burn down federal buildings every night in Portland. And the mayor of Portland is saying we don't want any more police. We don't want any more federal agents in here to help. Go home. Literally get lost. They're trying to protect your city. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss as to why there is not more, you know, condemnation. Why it's not, why it's not, uh, why it's not universally condemned by everybody. How is it that a Democrat mayor or a politician says this, they're on our side. The people are t- destroying lives, destroying buildings, cars. They're on our side. Who wants them? You know, right. who, why would you want to take ownership, align yourself with these awful people, they hate this country. They hate capitalism. They're trying to destroy it. That's it. Condemn them. Put them in jail. Do, do you know anybody uh, in your life, Shattuck? I know 
you know, you don't have a lot of friends, but you have some friends. Do you have, do you know anybody that thinks that supports, that sympathizes, that aligns themselves with Antifa? No, no. I do know people who have, who are close to me, who are younger in their twenties, who have gone to Ivy league schools, who believe that they're, that free speech is violence though. And that they're under attack. They're, they're under attack in their own universities and that they're, they're attack in the, in the workplace. They feel that engineering fields are full of rapists and this. So this is, there is a string to be made here. There's a connection to be made. And when this person is unemployed three years from now, and some of these people, I have a guy, a friend, his son goes to Yale, and if he's unemployed a few years from now and he wants to do something with his life, well, why not be part of something important so he can be a cool jihadist and throw a brick at a cop and, and put it on Facebook and you know feel good about himself like he did something because he's got no real reason to be right now. But, you know, you talk about mayors. You know, I know of a mayor who was so afraid of being called an MFer from a wacko racist that he implored her to stop. Please stop calling me that. Please stop calling me names. I'll give you a building, said Marty Walsh. He gave this person a building. This is craziness. I mean, this happens. This is with, with Monica Cannon Grant here in Boston. These She's not alone. There's an industry of folks at that level who are working and who are essentially holding a gun to the heads of the elected leaders who want no problem. And especially if you look like Marty Walsh and you know that your demographic is Going the way of, uh, you know, who's the the the, the guy, the old uh, congressman Capuano? You know, you know, you're about to be Capuano very soon. Then right. you want no problem, you know. But but, I, but but do you think when you see the Antifa uh, scum with the masks and the hoods and they're throwing bricks, are those voters? <laughs> they're not voters. The people who own the businesses or work in the businesses or are being destroyed or being run out of the city, they are voters. That's why. I, that's why I don't understand. Um, how we've allowed it to get to this point that the cities are run by the radicals and they're not well run, you know, they're poorly run. And, and it's, it, to me, see like Seattle and Portland, for example, used to be considered, I've been to Seattle a bunch of times. I haven't been to Portland and I would never will go there, but right now, you know, there's an office in Seattle and Portland. It's the office of tourism and their job is to get people to come to the city <laughs> is that person is that person like given up and just gone home and said it's over? We're never going to get anyone to come here. We're and can you imagine trying to somebody considering opening a business in Portland or Seattle, opening a uh, whatever a a pet grooming business or a or a coffee shop? They they don't have many of those. Um, you would never ever do that. They have well, ruined. Amazon owns Seattle, and uh, Amazon and just, got, got crushed the other day. And they're, and they're destroying Amazon. Uh, yeah. which, and their idiots are chasing Amazon out. You know, they're putting head yeah. taxes on the employees of Amazon already. So you have to pay a special tax just for being part of Amazon, which seems discriminatory itself. But yeah, no, I, and then you hear, I mean, you hear, we could play Wheeler, the, that idiot mayor in, in Portland, if you could. I mean, he literally says, get out of my city to the federal agents. And the federal agents are looking at him saying, what the, you want? You, you're on the side of those guys, those guys who are breaking windows, smashing, you know, storefronts. And, uh, and, you know, they blame Trump. I understand it's all about defeating Trump. So you want to keep this going. But doesn't it feel like at least in my lifetime that they'll never recover, that Seattle and Portland will never recover. You're going to have this perception that they are run by the, the, you know, the inmates are running the asylum 
and you wouldn't want to go there. You don't want to get near this. Just keep, you know, stay, keep your distance and let them, you know, eat each other alive. Yeah. No, I don't know if you've been to Seattle, Jerry, but it's built on. I just said I've been there many times. Many. I went to, I once went on vacation. We liked it so much. We went there and, you know, walked the streets and ate oh, salmon. You, Ground City when you were there? The so Seattle, Seattle was built on the original city. They built on stolen land. So, well, undoubtedly, undoubtedly, but Seattle at the turn of the century, the old city was there and they built a new city on top of it. So parts of the old city are still underground with roads and little old storefronts. It's really pretty cool. But at this point, they should they should, you know, fire up the old city, the underground city, because at least it's still intact more than the city above ground. You can't have police tape around six blocks of your city that's in smoking embers and pretend it's not there. I mean, it sticks. It sticks out, and this is self-imposed. In London, there's a one, you know, one block where the German Blitz destroyed the buildings, and they've kept that just like that, so people can remember. Well, Seattle's got the same thing, though. But it's a bunch of you know upper middle class college pukes who torched their own city while civic leaders stood by. And you're right, and you've got um, you know uh, Chris Cuomo laughing about laughing about uh, rising crime rates saying, ha, ha, oh, crime's really up now. Uh-huh. up 200, 300%. Murders are up on, in every major city in the country right now. And his brother's on a victory tour celebrating the fact that only 33,000 people are dead because he forced sick people into senior centers. This crap is upside down. It's, and, and I, I said this the other day. I don't know if it was with you, Shattuck, but it's the worst case of media bias of uh, that that I've ever seen. The coverage of Andrew Cuomo. I mean, uh, literally, he has killed thousands of senior citizens. And if you follow the right people on Twitter or look in the right you know websites, you'll get the truth. But otherwise, you have people saying what a wonderful job he's doing. It's it's upside down world. It's backwards. You're, you're talking about a, a mayor, a governor who literally sent these senior citizens to their death. He, he, he caused their death. He put, he insisted on putting coronavirus positive patients in nursing homes and wiped out nursing homes. 33,000 dead. No one's even close. No one, no state, no one else is even close. And yet you have people, you, you'll, they'll put them down. Jimmy Fallon laughing with him and telling him what a wonderful job. You had this idiot Fauci. And we'll get to him saying New York. I had to listen to this like two or three times and, and read it. Fauci commending Andrew Cuomo for the good, the job he's done. What? The, I mean, I, I don't, it's not that complicated. There was a Javits Center that was ready to house thousands of patients. He said, no, we're good. There was a ship in the harbor uh, equipped for 2,000 patients. He said, no, we're good. We're going to send them back into nursing homes. And the result was at least 6,000 dead because of his decision. His signature is on the order and he denies it. And the media says, you know, he's done a wonderful job. I mean, it's nauseating and he's going to get reelected and he's going to be around forever just because he has a D, just because he has a D next to his name. He's, he's going to get away, get away with murder, literally get away with murder. But back to your point about, you know, the, uh, uh, this how out of control these cities are. It uh, the other thing I don't quite get is the defund the police movement. If you're Biden, this is this is bad news, terrible news. He's already agreed, despite what Chris Wallace says. Your guy, Chris Wallace, he wants to defund the police. Trump was right. Chris Wallace was wrong. He has said he said in that interview with that guy who's uh, 
who's paralyzed. You see the interview with the guy in the wheelchair did with Biden from the basement. He said, yes, we want to defund the police in New York. Um, since we've defunded the police, shootings are up 253% over last year at this time. Arrests are down 62%. Minor crime summons is down 86%. And this, check this one out. Traffic tickets down 76%. They're not even giving t- tickets anymore because <laughs> they've been, this is since, you know, de Blasio, that moron and, uh, and Cuomo and others in New York said we need to defund the police, redirect the funds to, social workers or whatever crime is up now can you tell me who even among democrats who is in favor of this who supports this i don't i don't understand why you would think that's a good idea well uh defunding the police i think i think everybody you know half of the population of wakefield massachusetts melrose mass and winchester and wellesley right now think that at least the slogan is something that's important. And you have people literally in small town councils, aldermen and things, trying to change police budgets to sanction them. It's part of some punitive, uh, you know, reconciliation. But but tell me this. How does it help? Like, you think police, obviously, you got idiots out there talking about police brutality, like this is some epidemic or, you know, systematic racism, systemic racism. We'll get to Gabe Kapler, that pandering puke. Uh, talking about systemic racism. So you eliminate, I don't know, 20% of the cops. In New York, you eliminate the plainclothes cops, which is what the main reason crime has soared. They get rid of all the plainclothes cops. Um, how does that like eliminate police brutality? Aren't there, aren't you still going to have bad cops, even though you don't have as many cops? <laughs> Why does that change anything other than make it easier to commit crimes? Well, I mean, uh, so this is what the two stories I've heard of why the police need to be defunded are this. These are both from activists. One, the police never come when you call them. And the other one is the police are always there too much and in interacting like jerks with people in the community. So none of the none of the situations are that the police are called because there's crime in the community and that there's, you know, unfortunately, such a family breakdown. You've got generations of young men with nothing better to do than commit crime for, to make a living or to, for recreation. You know, it's it's just an easy scapegoat. They're wearing uniforms. Trump- so, and and I, I'm telling you, this is uh, not Biden's worst nightmare. But when you think about it, if he ever comes out of the basement, if there's ever an actual press conference, if there's ever a debate, God forbid, yes, the debate. This will be the thing Trump hammers over and over. And he should. I mean, like I said. With Chris Wallace, you know, Chris Wallace, you know, wants to impress everyone by being the, you know, being the tough interviewer on Trump. And he said, oh, no, Biden didn't say to fund the police. Yes, he did. And even even if he didn't, all his supporters are saying it. His advisor, AOC, his official advisor, AOC, says we're not talking about cutting funding. We are talking about abolishing cops. She is going to come back to bite him in the ass which he might like, uh, you know, a lot. Will you watch? Has, has Biden sniffed her hair yet, by the way? Because they haven't spent a lot of time together, but I assume when they do, he'll sniff her hair. And, you know, that, that'll be a hell of a photo op. But she says over and over, and I give her credit, she does not hedge. Get rid of all cops. So mm-hmm. you're going to, I, I, I tweeted this yesterday, 60 million plus, at, at least 60 million people will vote for a guy who wants to defund the police, 
who does not condemn the anarchists. You know, they're going to, that's, that is Joe Biden, a, the, the front runner right now. The, right. There's a good chance that he is president in January and he wants to defund the police. I mean, on top of all the other crazy stuff on top of, you know, uh, uh, the green new deal and everything else, it's just mind boggling. Understand. I understand people hate Trump, but when you look at the violence, when you look at the anarchists looting, you telling me 60 million people are going to say I'm voting for the same. I'm supporting the same guy. They are. <laughs> well, maybe. And the problem is, the problem is this, and I hope people understand this, that if Joe Biden is elected, there will be no there will be no wall against the influence of these anti-police nihilist anarchists. There's somebody in Biden's campaign called Sarah Pearl. She just a couple of days ago called the police pigs and said, uh, but pigs are sweet and intelligent. Police officers are monsters who don't deserve to be called uh, pigs. So people like this are going to be the rear guard, are going to be the people who are supposedly protecting Biden, uh, you know, from negative influence. So she's a positive influence. And if you have somebody like Monica Cannon Grant, who makes demands of Biden, it's going to be the cop-hating rear guard who will let Monica right in to be a, somebody who influences the campaign, the administration. And then some of this wackiness actually does get codified into law. He's not, he's, Joe Biden has never shown that he's got a political backbone in his life. He's never shown that, that he. Uh, no, and, and, and it, it's true. The f- most frightening thing is the people around him. He's obviously just a, you know, he's just a pawn. He doesn't have a conviction. He doesn't have a, a, a cogent thought left in his head, but he's going to be, and we've seen him, he's going to be dragged around literally by his wife and others who will be uh, using him to advance their agenda. He's going to, yep. I mean, he, he's on record as saying he wants to eliminate fossil fuels. This is Joe, the moderate, wants to eliminate fossil fuels. But yesterday, every day there's something else, and, and and obviously the media will be there to cover it up, not cover it, to cover it up or to ignore it. He um, met with Linda Sessor, noted anti-Semite. Really? Radical, yes. He met with it, and, and he promised on day one. I mean, obviously, it's a whatever, a Zoom meeting. He'll be on if, if you know, if there's a vaccine or, God forbid, you know, he wouldn't want that, but... He will be campaigning with people like Linda Sassor and Rashida Tlaib and Elon Omar and Jewish people, you know, friends of mine and yours, Jewish Democrats will go out and vote for a guy who is uh, uh, making appearances with Linda Sassor. That blows my mind. But he said this yesterday, <laughs> honest to God, quote, one of the things I think is important. I wish we taught more in our schools about the Islam faith. What? He thinks we, we need to teach this. I mean, it, yeah. can you imagine? Can you imagine a presidential candidate, a Democrat, or anyone saying we need to teach more about the Christian faith in our public schools? I mean, he'd be mocked and ridiculed, and and they'd be you know ACLU'd be threatening lawsuits. He said that yesterday. I don't know if we can play the sound, Dave, but he said we need to teach more about Islam in our public schools. Yep, I got it. Thank you enough for all you've done so far and that's for uh hold, hold on hold on one second he's talking about linda sassour right here go ahead one of the things i think is important i wish i wish we taught more in our schools about the islamic faith i wish we talked about all the great confessional faiths. it's one of the great confessional faiths. and what people don't realize is one of my avocation is theology don't realize is that we, we all come from the same root here. 
in terms of our fundamental basic belief. Wish we taught more about the Islam faith in our schools. <laughs> what, a, what a lazy pander, though. I mean, you got <laughs> expect a little more out of him than that here's what i always say is and, and i know you thought the, the chris wallace interview with trump was like performance art you were praising it yeah um, um and and the the great thing trump was uncomfortable obviously they had their little uh, they, it was tense it was hot it was outside but no matter what trump said no matter what he uh, how he looked in that interview he has one thing going for him is Biden won't do that. You know, Biden won't sit down with Chris oh. Walsh or anybody unless it's one of his sock puppets. You know, like he's not going to sit down with someone who's even close to, uh, you know, uh, middle of the road or, or right wing or whatever. They're not. He's not going to be challenged at well, all. You'll have to soon, though. Just nobody's paying attention to this. That's what I've been saying for weeks. But it seems yeah. to me that it's working. He's no, the only thing people are talking about right now are kids going back to school. Like that, that's all the focus in the world right now. Okay, which is a good, which is a great issue. Another great issue for Trump. I mean, he's got to hammer away at that. Two things he's got to hammer away at: the anarchists are with Biden. That's what he's got to say. You know, Antifa, BLM, all these people, exactly. much, they're with him. You know, they're with him. I'm with the McCluskeys. That's what he's got to say. The other thing is, he's got to say our kids have to go back to school. But again. Just to finish up on on Biden and this and this lazy pander, which is a good description of it, is he's going to get so comfortable having you know his people around him who are you know sucking on his toes and telling him he's wonderful. He's going to let his guard down like he did yesterday, in my opinion, and say we should teach Islam in public schools. And he's going to say if I screw up, you know, the media will be there to cover for me to cover it up. I don't have to worry. He's not going to be in game shape if he ever gets around to leaving the basement. He's going to expect more of these softballs. And they're going to, if, if they ever get a chance, they, you know, the, the two or three reporters who are out there who are left are going to say, you know, question for you. Do you really want to you know, get rid of fossil fuels? Do you really want to teach Islam? Do you really, you know, support Antifa? You know, that- Looking for the perfect gift? Check out a Visa Virtual Account, available at giftcards.com. Gifting a Visa Virtual Account is easy. Simply select your gift amount, add optional personalization, and click Send. A thoughtful gift delivered in moments. As one of the world's most recognized brands, virtual Visa cards are secure, never expire, and work for any budget. They're also eco-friendly. Eliminate the need for plastic with a virtual gift delivered straight to their inbox. Whether you're shopping for a family member, friend, coworker, or client, a Visa Virtual Account is always the perfect fit. Visa Virtual Accounts can be used online anywhere Visa is accepted, so the possibilities are endless. They're convenient to send and easy to spend, making it the perfect gift for any occasion. Start gifting your virtual Visa today at www.giftcards.com virtual. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call? Yep, that sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com slash save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus, it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com slash save. Betterhelp.com slash save. Got it. He wasn't even asked that when he did that one press conference, which was, again, he was surrounded by sycophants. He wasn't even asked, do you support the 
this this movement right now, which are uh, in our cities to defund the cops, get rid of the cops and to, you know, know, to destroy businesses. He wasn't even asked about that, which is the biggest issue in the campaign, if there ever is a campaign. Well, if somebody asks him, can you imagine if a reporter asked that question? I mean, if you're a potential voter, if you're a Democratic voter and you say, I have concerns about you taking away uh, AR-15s, Biden will say that you're full of shit and threaten to take you outside to fight you <laughs> physically. That's for voters. If you're a female voter, he'll call you a lion dog face pony something. <laughs> if, you, if you suggest that you've been to a caucus before, he'll call you fat if you ask another question he doesn't like. I talked to Joel Pollack yesterday from Breitbart. Last year, he took issue with Biden in a crowd saying, hey, um, you know, Trump didn't say there were good people on both, very fine people on both sides. Biden got in his face and the finger was right there in his face. saying, hey, don't you. So, no, if anybody dares. And that's going to be interesting to see because it's going to happen. Eventually, Trump's going to do keep doing these things where he's, you know, talking to the media for hours at a time. And sure, it's going to look ugly to a lot of people who hate him. And a lot of people who are used to or orthodox politicians are going to say, oh, no, the guy doesn't have any chops. But eventually it's got to smoke Biden out. and Somebody's got to put on a show for him. You know, and much like they tried to do the last time around with Hillary, who had her own health issues, eventually you're going to take a header in front of people. Well, I heard someone, someone was saying that last night on one of the shows that um, and Hillary was a terrible candidate, and she was, and, and Biden's much more likable. And I'm like, okay, good, that's fine, likable. You know, have a beer with a regular Joe. But what about, you know, the guy, that woman standing next to him, Linda Sassour or AOC or Rashida Tlaib, you know, what about, what about the, uh, the, the allies? Um, you have to, uh, answer for that. You know, you have to own that. I mean, I'm not sure who's going to make him do that. And Chris Wallace would, if he were to sit down with, with, with him, he would get a, a two or three tough questions, even though, you know, Chris Wallace, I think is, is, is rooting for him. But the other big issue, obviously the, the lawlessness, the anarchy, and and where Biden stands on that, do, does he align himself with the inner city mayors who are destroying these cities because they hate Trump so much? Are those his guys? You know, is is that 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 clown, you know, Jacob Fry of Frey in Minneapolis or this guy Wheeler in Portland? Are those are those you support them because they don't want you know, they don't support cops. They don't want federal agents. They don't want to end this 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 unrest. They want to keep it going. Are you with them, Joe? But the other one, and Colin Ang brought it up, is it, it's a huge issue today, and it's going to remain that way for the next six weeks. Is school, or, you know, for, for, you know to, is school? I mean, most parent. I, I know you've seen it, but this this priceless video audio from MSNBC, who clearly wants to keep the lockdown going forever, or at least till November fourth. All the all hard left Democrat, they want to keep this going because it hurts Trump. They don't care about. Kids, you know, the hell with kids. Kids are collateral damage. But they had four or five pediatricians on. They went around the panel and said, would you send your kids back to school? And every one of them said, absolutely, without hesitation. And then it went back to the anchor, the MSC, MSNBC guy, and he was like shocked. He goes, oh, they all said yes. I mean, yeah, of course, pediatricians are going to send their kids back. Of course, anybody who cares about their children and you have like 12 of them. Yeah. You really want them back in school, don't you? Of course. Of course we do. And I'm we talk to parents all the time and they are rip bleep about these unions, the unions making the, the decisions. The unions drive this discussion. They still want to. They, these teachers want to not go to school. 
but still get paid. Everybody else is going to work. Everybody else who has a job here has to go to work. You know, all of the other, I keep getting told that the kids are our most precious natural resource. I that's what they tell me. Well, this natural resource, the most precious one is going to be harmed and some will die according to pediatricians. And we are told that healthcare professionals are the most noble people on the face of the earth. So for sakes, get in the schools and teach the kids or st- you stay in a little monitor in at the front of the class and have some, you know, teacher's aide who's 22 do the physical things. But somehow, yes, then Trump needs to get get right beside these pediatricians and be in the side of kids. Right. He needs to learn how to do set up an optics, an optics uh, performance like Obama would do. Get people in lab coats, get little kids around and, you know, in never leave them. Have them. Be, he should go on a kid tour. You know, he, he's got to. It, 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 it is amazing to me that the, if I guess most, again, parents aren't you know following the news like we are. But there's one thing that Trump and anybody on his side should hammer away at is this teachers unions, teachers unions. The Los Angeles teachers union said they're making demands. They're making two principal demands before they will come back to work. They want the city to defund the police. Yeah. Uh, defund the police and uh, the what was their other demand of something to do with the uh, hating Trump or something. Um, they they will come back, you know, because they care so much about kids. They want to defund the police or they won't come back to to work. They they you know still going to get paid, obviously. And as you point out, for you know three months now, uh, cops and firemen and nurses and doctors and 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 you know clerks at, at Home Depot and. Uh, you know, pizza places, they've all gone back to work. It's risky. Let's be honest. It's risky, but they've gone back to work. Uber drivers and, you know, you name it. People have gone back to work, put their masks on, whatever. Teachers are special. They don't have to go back to work because, because why? Because orange man bad. If, if, if Trump weren't the president, if the president were Hillary Clinton, they'd all be going back. They know there's there's uh, zero chance, zero chance this affects the kids. The kids are much, much more uh, negatively affected by a lockdown, but staying at home than they would be about, about going to school. There's no risk for children, none, zero. Right. And what about they know it, but they instead they're going to demand that they don't go back. It, uh, you know, if you don't want your kids to go back, keep them home and homeschool them. But there are kids who depend on it. The parents are at work. They depend on it for, you know, for just interaction they depend on for for lunch you know they need to go back that's the angle he's in and aiden actually mentioned this uh that's the angle he's got to take he's got to say the most disadvantaged kids need not only the early morning meals that the schools will provide to kids who we're told you know bernie sanders ran on this we're told that kids are malnourished so the kids need schools early and get those early morning meals and kids need to be able to stay in school late so they're not on the streets getting shot and this is exactly what trump should be saying he should be doing this and also if you're a teacher and you don't want to go back to school because of the coronavirus well you can be something else just go get another job the fact that that they've pushed the argument so far that these teachers are entitled they're all entitled to that like as if they have tenure no 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 no. just go do something else we'll find something and and you know it, if the Trump needs to highlight this because it is really um, exposing his teachers unions. I mean they can't turn around and say they care about kids because when they're making demands about defunding the cops and the other the other demand I should remember another another way they really want to help out children 
They're demanding the elimination of charter schools, the elimination. Los Angeles teachers will not go back to work until you defund the police and eliminate charter schools. Now you tell me, Mrs. You know, elementary school teacher, union, you know, union, loyal union member, how does that help kids? How does defunding cops and eliminating charter schools help kids? The answer is it does not, which you can come to no other conclusion is then they don't care about kids. They care about one thing above all others, hurting Trump. And, and, and this will, in longer you can keep kids out, longer you can keep the lockdown going, the panic going. Um, they occasionally slip up, like when they have a pediatrician on who's apolitical or even liberal. And the pediatrician says, of course, I'd send my child back. There's only two reasons you want to kid, keep kids out. One would be just ignorance. You still think that, you know, a 10 year old is susceptible to the virus. They're not. He's not. Um, they're much more, um, threatened by the old, the, the flu. You know, the flu is a much, is a like four times greater chance they get the flu than they get the coronavirus. Uh, they will not get it. They will not, uh, transmit, uh, transfer it. They will not die from it. The teachers, if they're old or, or obese, don't come to work. Okay. I'll give you that. Stay home if you're old or obese. But if you're 37 year old, you know, elementary school teacher, you're not in any danger either. You belong in the classroom. If you don't want to teach, quit. You're right. right. Quit. You were pilloried if you mentioned the flu alongside coronavirus in the last few months. But now, if you look at the numbers, the numbers in Florida, even where there's been a surge of new cases without telling people that there's been a surge of new tests. If you look at Arizona, where we were told a couple of weeks ago, Arizona is now the model for how to do it wrong because it was spreading through Arizona. The coronavirus is all getting largely irrelevant now in Arizona. The Also, fatalities are down. There are treatments that are working, including the, the baffling turn-the-patient-over treatment. There are other therapeutics that are working. People are surviving this thing. There's a chance that the virus itself is mutated to be less deadly. So just on the numbers, the Fauci numbers that we were given at the beginning of this whole thing, we're starting to become out of the woods largely. And for, for I know that you're not allowed to say that, but the numbers show the spike and then it goes down. There, you know, I bought a poster the other day. I got one for you from Cuomo that shows the number and the long tail. Well, the tail is now way down. And so <clears throat> to have the case now that these kids are more susceptible to harm being in school than out, it doesn't work. And that's why it's absurd. It's a lie. It's a lie. That's what it is. Lie. It's a it lie. Also- it's a lie from the teachers. Union. It's a lie from the Democrats. <clears throat> They, they know, again, they're either ignorant or they're dishonest. They're either dumb or they're dishonest. I'm going to say dishonest. You know, give them some credit. They're not they're following the news. They know that this the survival rate for kids, I mean, for even for teachers, if they're not older obese, is minuscule. There is more risk in driving to work in the morning. You know, there's more risk <clears throat> walking across the street and, they, and more risk of, of dying from the flu. They know this. Yes. Yet they think the best way to beat Trump is to keep this going. Let's not, you know, let's not let up here. Let's remain panicked. Let's remain uh, at home. Um, but, but, parent, but parents don't know this, right? Like, again, ignorant, yeah. ignorant or dishonest. So you vote for ignorant. No, I'm just saying that parents don't necessarily want to send their kids back to school and be part of that. That basically is an experiment to a parent, right? To, to my sister specifically, like sending our kids back is an experiment to her. Because she just doesn't, because she doesn't know all the data that surrounds. Okay, print some out and hand it to her. I mean, at some point, at some point, if you're a grown up, you're an adult, you're a parent, you have the responsibility 
to inform yourself. She has to understand. I mean, does she think it's good for her kids to stay home to, for another like six months? She definitely does not think that, but she's de- definitely fearful. And I think she's one of, you know, obviously a lot of people around the country who don't know all the information. She should be educating herself more and more. But what she's hearing on the news is just more fear porn, to be honest. What, like, okay, there's how old are her kids? Uh, they are seven and eight. Okay, there is zero chance a seven or eight year old gets it. There's zero chance they die from it. There's zero chance they transmit it. If she reads up, she would understand that her kids belong in school. That this is a, this is political theater, is what it is. She she should you know follow. Is she on Twitter? Give her a couple of good Twitter followers. She's not on Twitter. She's on, Aronson, on Facebook, which is the Jordan Schachtel. There's a couple of guys out there every day who are trying to inform the public. And the idea that a seven or eight year old has to worry about, uh, they're more in danger of the, uh, you know, of, of polio right now, of dengue fever. They're not going to get coronavirus. It, it, the idea that you're going to stay at home and miss another semester. Uh, they should all be back. They should have never been out in the first place. It is nuts. It is nuts. It's all political. It is. This is so diabolical, in my opinion. They know. They know there's no risk. They're pretending because it hurts Donald J. Trump. Right. But there's you made a point earlier, and it's worth revisiting, talking about that they want to get rid of charter schools. Charter schools oftentimes are the only escape minority kids have from their horrid public school systems the only chance they have to you know incrementally improve their lives and get on a path to success and escape the conditions that we've all been you know drawn attention to between that and you know getting rid of the 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 school this year where parents now have to stay home and this has already affected the people in the black community more where you don't have these services to, for the kids to get in early, to eat, to stay in after school. Between that and the cities burning and law enforcement, you know, abandoning cities because of uh, these progressive mayors and the crime rates rising and people flying, leaving cities now. People are leaving New York and moving, unfortunately, up in the boonies where I am now and leaving Boston and moving up here where I am now. What you had is, ironically, 2020 is the worst year for black Americans for decades this is it's the most well-intentioned liberals and all everybody. Well, they're, has, not, they're not well-intentioned. I'm, I'm tired of that. They're not well-intentioned. They're liars. They're dishonest. They're deceitful. They know defunding the police, eliminating charter schools is not only, uh, you know, it, it, it's racist. It's racist. I mean, yeah. who needs the cops? Most inner city kids and families and you know single mothers and eliminating charter schools. Who gets hurt the most? The rich kid? No, the rich white kid in the suburbs. No, the, the the black kid in the city. These teachers union thugs are racist, plain and simple. But anyway, well, if you go just simply by the outcome, then yes, you'd have to say that. If you say it's damaging in particular to a um to a specific race, yes. But parents in Dover, Massachusetts, for them, this whole summer has simply been a bunch of Facebook posts where they're showing what good people they are. They get to oh, no, 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 no. You know, don't forget they have a Black Lives Matter sign in the front yard too. Don't forget that. That that matters. And and they have a hate hate has no home here. That's the other sign in their lawn. Exactly. Because they're one hundred percent against hate. They hate cops. You know they hate private school uh, uh, school choice and charter schools. 
but they don't have a, they don't have any hate in their heart. They're so yeah, full they of it. They're so full of it. If I if I were you and had a kid in elementary school who was possibly going to be home in September and October, I would be irate. I would be ready to I'd be ready to go all antifa and start throwing bricks. It is such so outrageous. They are using children. Children are just pawns in this in this political game. It, it is it is criminal to you. Well, but not that, Jerry. You're still paying property taxes. You know, I sure am. That's and right. So you're paying. As long as they don't go to the cops, I'm happy. Don't pay for the cops. You're paying for the schools to be open. Dave, you're paying for the, I'm paying for the schools to be open. We're paying for empty schools right now where a janitor just gets to walk around and watch TV. <laughs> and it's incredible. And they still want to do this. And you're right. This is such a disservice. I mean, white Americans love the black community so much that they're happy to kick it in the stomach as much as they can to show how much they love it. I mean, this has been this year has been just terrible. The condition of a, the the black American condition after 2020 will be worse. When we're all question and think of it, uh, the, the guy who's the front runner right now will possibly be president in six months. Doesn't want the kids to go back to school. But but if they do, he wants to make sure they learn all about Islam. That's where he's at right now. Uh, right. But anyway. He wants he wants the Department of Education to be run by somebody who knows how it is to be a teacher who's got that kind of experience. So a good unionized <laughs> bureaucrat, you know, simply codifying more union regulations uh, in the in the education system, which is already terrible. You know, and if, if, if you're a kid in Detroit, you chance, you know, whatever chance you have of going to a charter school or even better getting a voucher and going to a Catholic school or a private school, the, that's out. Zero. The zero chance of you can escape your crappy school if Joe Biden is in or if the teacher union gets their way. Teacher union gets their way. They're all out till November 4th, right? November 4th is the day the virus magically disappears and they can go back to work. But uh, I'm going to talk about Shea and then we're going to get to a couple other things, including including the guy who's throwing out the first pitch for the Washington Nationals. This is This is amazing to me. But We'll get to that. First, let me tell you about Shea Concrete. Shea Concrete's a fourth-generation owned and operated business, working hard day in and day out to be a trusted precast concrete partner. They're a local company with four state-of-the-art manufacturing facilities all over New England. If you're a contractor and you're busy at work right now, they can help. These are some of the products Shea can deliver to your job site ready for installation. Water and wastewater products, barriers and bullards, Stairs and bulkheads, deck footings, electrical and communication products. The list goes on and on. Shea can do it all. If you're an engineer, Shea can really help you out. They can help you get the job done, help you design your next project. Give them a call for more information or for an estimate or just log on to SheaConcrete.com. Go in and see them. They're good people. They'll, you know, they'll just keep their distance, wear their mask, and they will tell you how they can help you get your job done. Speaking of jobs, if you're looking for one, this might be the place for you. If you're one of the people that Charlie Baker has put out of work in Massachusetts, we now have the highest unemployment rate in the country. Charlie's very proud of that. A lot of people looking for work. Shay's got jobs in all their plants. They're always hiring CDL drivers. They're hiring workers at all four places. You can check out the job openings at SheaConcrete.com or just send your resume to jobs at SheaConcrete.com. Hey, speaking of uh, Charlie Baker, this whole like takeout drinks thing that's now appropriate. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about it. I think it was Featherston tweeted out this morning. So you can get a alcoholic beverage and then get in your car 
And doesn't that just seem strange? Like, what's the purpose of that? Do you know what I mean? It does seem strange, especially when, like, in where I live, there's a restaurant selling beer, and right next to it's a liquor store. <laughs> Why are you going to the yeah, restaurant like, for beer? Why would you beer? buy, would you you buy a $10 mixed drink? when you? I, I mean, I just think they had to do something to save the restaurants. I talked to somebody yesterday in the restaurant business. It is unbelievable. He's estimating uh, 40% of restaurants will never recover. Every day, if you're following the news, if you're on Twitter, every day there's another restaurant that's uh, saying we're never coming back. This is like this, I assume, in all the Democrat-run cities, in all the lockdown states where they kept them closed and forced them to you know, lay off their staff, and now mm-hmm. they can't get anyone to come back to work. And now I, I went to a restaurant the other night, and they, kept, they had the tables all distanced and everything, you know, 10 feet apart or whatever. There was like five tables in the whole restaurant, and there should have been you know, like 25 and I'm thinking they might be able to stay alive a little longer with this, with these rules, but not forever. I mean, uh, if the vaccine is whatever, two years away, say goodbye to half the restaurants in the country, for crying mm-hmm. out loud. It is alarming. And some of them, uh, you know, have been around for decades. In, in, and you're sitting there going, well, well, because of the, it's not because of the virus. It's because of the overreaction of the governor and other governors, other hard left liberals like Charlie Baker Put these businesses out of work. It's sad, and it's it's an example of something that that will never come back. It'll never come back. It's 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 they ruined them. They put them under, and they have no hope of ever coming back. It's just sucks. Yeah. What was, was the, what was the latest? Uh, what was the the latest? Uh, Regina's in Austin. Close. Right. Regina, another yeah, absolutely a great place. There's there's a legal seafood near me, which is gone, I think, and it's not coming back, which is incredible. Whiskies on Boylston Street are yep. gone forever. I mean, I don't know what takes its place. I don't know what comes in. Maybe another restaurant someday, but right now, these places can't survive. The the other thing is the extra, you know, the goodies, the extra six hundred dollars you get if you're uh, unemployed till the end of this month, at least, and it should be eliminated. But who knows? Again. <laughs> Again, the, the, this is a way. The more restaurants that go under, under Charlie Baker, the better it is. The better the chance of defeating Donald Trump, and that's what they want to do. They don't care if it costs. You know, they're they're estimating like four thousand restaurants in Massachusetts will never come back. Four thousand, and that's a okay with with Charlie Baker because that hurts Donald Trump. Period. Yeah. And there's no doubt Joe Biden's promised them bailouts, there's, not only for that, but for the burned down cities as well. I mean, essentially, Biden is putting all of this uh, this chaos on a credit card for these for the mayors and governors. And, yeah, this it's there's no such thing. What Whiskey's was on Boylston Street, a place like that that's, that was slinging drinks with a huge overhead for the rent in a place like that. And the property taxes in Boston are, are through the roof, of course. That model is over. I don't see how that can ever be again. You can't hire a bunch of folks. Now that you've driven up the minimum wage as well in right. restaurants, you've screwed these restaurants. That's Those days are over. And I just mentioned the Cantab in uh, Central Square is gone. I don't know if you knew that place. It was an old dive bar. It's never changed. It used to have blues acts. And it was like a, it was a poor man's. It was a great poor man's dive bar. That's gone. And those are people. The, those people who went there, they didn't have business. Uh, you know, they couldn't expense their uh, drinks, you know, like like people can at uh, Tavern in the Square or whatever. 
But I, I think that model is just over. I think that the best they'll probably do is Walsh will probably end up, um, you know, making um, prohibiting driving like a Newbury Street and making those pedestrian right. news, something like that, which is usually the last ditch effort for a lot of these cities. But these places have been ravaged in 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 um, in uh, um, Faneuil Hall and Quincy Market. People don't remember like the, before like 1976. That was a hellhole. There was almost nothing there. That whole area of Boston was terrible, and they it took a lot of investment and a lot of uh, you know community coming together to make it happen. I, who's got the money now? It's 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 not it's not possible. I mean, the, everything has changed, unfortunately. And the, what sucks about it is it's so damn self inflicted and we didn't really we don't know if we avoided anything because the virus went in and killed everybody it could kill in new york and we're seeing from testing that people well, may now we know we know the, the lockdown states have been hit the worst we know like sweden didn't lock down anything and they're they're doing fine we know it was a mistake but it, again it's a political mistake it's got nothing to do with public health <sighs> but anyway um couple things couple things um Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, the Fauci is throwing out the first pitch. This is just, this is just weird. This is just weird that Fauci's throwing out the first pitch at the Washington Nationals. I mean, I assume he's going to throw it, you know, like uh, to the wrong base because he's been wrong about everything since he's been up on stage for the last two months or in in public eye. Just the other day, he said New York is doing a great job. And I'm saying, this guy's lost it. He's lost it. And he's, we're still holding him up as some kind of icon. Uh, but anyway, um, I mean, it tells you, Jerry, how, how those bureaucracies work. You know, Fauci did everything by the process and the procedures that they went by committee and decided was right every day. And if you look at just the way the healthcare system works, that's, that's how it goes. Everything's segmented, segmented and re- regimented. There's no thought of human suffering in there at all. That's not their science. So right. like, I've had sick relatives in the hospital. I've had sick relatives in the hospital. One of my, I, when one of my parents was in the hospital, essentially dying, at one point, they couldn't, they, they were having trouble breathing. They needed the albuterol to, to breathe, you know, laboring to breathe. When you have a parent who's struggling to breathe, it's, it's very difficult to watch. So we said, hey, where's the guy with the stuff? And they said, it's already been scheduled. He's on the way. It's been scheduled. And so they're seeing, there's, they see it every day. So you've got a, somebody who's struggling to breathe, who's in pain. And as far as they're concerned, everything's working fine because it's been scheduled and regimented just like the bureaucracy wants it, like Dr. Fauci wanted it. So you need to calm down. Eventually, somebody's going to get in there and say, get the fucking albuterol guy right down here right now. So, and they get mad at that because you've you've questioning the healthcare professionals. You know you need to calm down. They don't appreciate that stuff. But these guys are bureaucrats, and Fauci does not deserve. First of all, that sob lied to the American people. He put people at risk. He said, "Don't get a mask." He told us to our faces that we, sh- we don't need to have a mask. And then he said afterwards, patting himself on the back like Jonathan Gruber, "Yeah, I had to lie to you because I couldn't have you know. masks." Now believe me. Now you have to believe me. And this is we took our orders to suicide from these healthcare officials like him based on faith. And how do you build faith and credibility when you've lied to the American people's face? And now you're getting celebrated for it at a at a baseball game. These people, these people are disgusting. Doctor Fauci has been a true champion for our country during the 
COVID-19 pandemic and throughout his distinguished career. So it is only fitting we honor him as we kick off the 2020 season. I, I, I was going to say, would he get booed? But there's not going to be any fans there. And I probably wouldn't anyway. But um, um, Fauci in February said this is not a big deal. He, he, I mean, he literally said, uh, I think it was to uh, um, it was on Newsmax TV. Uh, and he said, not a big deal. Not, not even as bad as the flu. Don't worry about it. This was in February. I mean, he was been, and then he said, don't wear a mask. He's been wrong about everything. And, you know, he's just another bureaucrat. He's almost 80 sitting on a big fat pension. I think it's time yeah. to go home and enjoy, enjoy your uh, golden years there, Fouch. Um, he reminds me of one of those doctors who wears like funny scrubs, like it'll be Looney Tunes scrubs or whatever. Just like, like, like Patch Adams. <laughs> exactly. When, when you've got somebody, a loved one in there, you're like, no, less concentration on the scrubs, more concentration on the freaking problem here. But no, he's a, t- a total ham. I've got, I got, I've got no patience for that guy. Speaking of total hams, uh, another uh, note, baseball note. I guess season started or did it start? I don't even know. Is, is baseball begun? Uh, to, to like exhibition games, right? Didn't they do like four okay. over the weekend or so, something like that? I don't that? know. I don't know. I don't care if I mean, it's, it's, I have zero interest. Uh, but I'll tell you who's a hero in my mind. Who's a hero? Who's the leading candidate for an SP next year would be Gabe Kapler, manager of the San Francisco Giants. He took a knee during the anthem and then he went on and talked about systemic racism. Didn't give any examples or explain what that means because he would have no idea. He's just a pandering puke who's looking to ingratiate himself with the media and, you know, with, with some of his players, I assume, because some of his players took a knee. And the second message I wanted to share was that, you know, what my plans were. And I, I did that because I wanted them to know that I wasn't pleased with the way our country has handled police brutality. Um, and I told them that I wanted to amplify their voices and I wanted to amplify the voice of the black community. And he took a knee because of, he said, because of police brutality. Um, I, um, I'm looking at Twitter right now and the same story from uh, Bob Nightingale where he says Kapler took a knee. I wrote pandering puke. Tony Maserati, my old friend, writes, not surprised. He always got it. And all the usual suspects, like he always got it. Got what? I want Gabe Kaplan to explain to me, uh, you know, what this all means. Why? Why he thinks we have a problem with systemic racism? Explain it to me, Gabe. You're so smart. Honest to God, are you guys ready for this? Because he's going to be one of many, 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 many who are going to say the same uh, cliches. Just puke out the same pablum. Yeah, systemic racism, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter. I want everyone to know the Black Lives Matter. None of them will have, you know, any examples. Or they won't be able to explain themselves. They'll just be pandering. Gabe Kapler is the first of many. I have no, uh, I don't care at all about uh, this baseball season. Maybe it'll change. Maybe I'll get into it. But right now, when is opening day? Like this week? Yeah. Well, is it Friday? Yeah. And they're gonna, play, they're gonna play in front of empty stadiums, correct? Yeah, they're gonna. I mean, it, the Red Sox are trying to uh, raise money for charity. You can get like a pinup of yourself and sit in the stands or whatever, right. like fat heads of yourself. So, Jerry, my, I, have a, I have a theory on this. My theory is that Gabe Kapler has extra credibility in the Black Lives Matter movement because when he was working for the Dodgers in 2015, and uh, an underage girl was physically assaulted, right. sexually assaulted at the Hampton Inn, and 
um, Gabe didn't call the police. You know, that's right. That's true. That's um, right. He didn't empower and engage and mobilize evil law enforcement. No, he tried to get everyone to go to dinner together because that's oh, right. he wanted the victim to go to dinner with her right. with her assailant. Yes, and um, I'm not sure what race the victim was. This assailant is pretends to be black. He's not, but he pretends to be. Um, we're talking about Verdugo. Um, it's a good question. Maybe someone followed it up because uh, Gabe was given a post game press conference. Uh, I would ask that of uh, Tony Maserati. Did Gabe get it when he tried to get the victim of the sexual assault to have dinner? I know she was a kid. She was underage to have dinner with his assailant when he tried to uh, brush all this under the rug. Did he get it then, Tony? I'm just curious. I mean, Gabe is so thoughtful. Um, I'd love for someone to ask him that. They won't. But I assume he'll be taking a knee and pandering every night. And um, they're going to be... The ratings will be in the toilet. There'll be no interest. This baseball season will be a fart in the wind, and I, it couldn't happen to a better bunch. It really couldn't. But the only thing less I'm less interested in is the the bubble, the NBA bubble in Disney, and and you know who got uh, you know, who got takeout and broke the rules, and who 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 texted or or, or uh, Instagrammed a, a, a model and tried to get her to come uh, hang out with them. There were all this drama. It was uh, zero, zero positive tests in the NBA bubble, right? I think two in the it's, NHL, right? I thought it was the opposite. Is it that what it was? Yeah, because they're only testing 380 players, right? It's, it's, no, the NHL, one of them tested like 2,000 people and there were two, like two, two positive tests. Yeah. So I'm looking at this... Uh, High school football, they're coming back and playing high school football in Florida, as they should. And Ben Volan from the Globe, typical Globe, he says that's borderline criminal to have 17-year-old kids come out of their homes and go play a sport is criminal. Criminal. These people, I mean, I understand he's a Globe. This is what you have to do. Your job requirement is hate Trump. But what kind of what kind of thought process goes into thinking it's criminal for 16 and 17 year old kids to go play a sport in an open field. He doesn't even know what's criminal is this guy is a a journalist, an alleged journalist with, with influence. And he wants to keep 16 year olds locked at home. That is criminal. Letting them go play sports is, is necessary. It's, it's the only thing they should be doing is get everyone out of the house Get him to school. Get him on the playing fields. Get back to normal. If you get if you get sick, if you catch the virus, you know what you do. You stay home and you drink plenty of fluids and, and take some ibuprofen for a couple of days. Then you go back to school. That's what you do. All right. So the reasoning is now far afield from where we were four and a half months ago. The reasoning you can't have kids play football now is because no one will die if they do. It, the reason used to be you can't have them play football because they will die. Now we know that they're not going to die if they do. We know that even if they give it to their parents, that fatalities are are really down. We also know that the thing might be airborne by now. This is he's a moron. That dude. I used to like him. I, he's just there, there's a ninety nine point nine nine survival rate. Much 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 higher than the flu. Much higher than again you know uh, driving to to the school or driving right. to practice. And yet we want to keep people at home. And if you tell them they can go play a game with their friends, you're a criminal, according to the Boston Globe. It's just nuts. And we allow this. We allow this mentality to fester like you can't go play sports. Trust me, it's going to screw these kids up much, much worse if you tell them no more sports, no more school. 
then you're going to have, you know, real issues of when I'm with depression and, 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 and all kinds of other ancillary, ancillary, whatever that, you know, uh, collateral damage, lots kind of, you know, unintended consequences. If you don't let these kids go back to living their lives, I'm just sick of it, tired of it. But anyway, uh, Shattuck, good job. Tom Shattuck is the host of the uh, Burn Barrel podcast and a uh, media critic and an editorial writer. You had a good, did you tweet out this this column you wrote? I did, yes, yes. About uh, inspired from your show, Jerry, Monica Cannon Grant. Monica Cannon Grant. Now, I bet, I bet Turtle Boy that the Boston Globe wouldn't touch it. We're talking about campaign coordinator for Ayanna Presley or campaign volunteer. Not much of a volunteer. She's getting paid by everybody. But uh, Monica Cannon Grant, who uh, accused Ayanna Presley's opponent of riding white penis and used the N-word and all kinds of other vile stuff. She's a very, very um, influential member of the uh, community in the Boston area. All the politicians kiss up to her. She's a bigot. She's a hater. But they don't care because uh, that's what they do. You wrote about it. The Globe did not. I'm, I won the bet. I don't, actually, I don't know how long I have to wait. Maybe the next time I talk to Turtle Boy, but there's zero chance the globe touches this zero. There's a better chance that, you know, Tucker Carlson or Laura Ingram will touch it than the Boston Globe. But good job by you. Good column. Follow. Well, <laughs> well, she, she writes for them occasionally. So that's a good point. She writes. The globe pays her. This woman, this racist uh, woman who accused Ayanna's opponent of riding white penis and says that people should. Did you get that quote in the paper, Shattuck? Did that, did that make it? I'm looking at it right now. It did not, did it? Uh, no, I don't think you got it. Uh, she, he's this, she calls her a heifer. What did he have to do? She, she said inappropriate things. Is that the quote? <laughs> Too inappropriate to print? Uh, he says, uh, blah, 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 blah. yeah. He says, uh, too obscene to print. The things she said were too obscene to that, print. That feels right. That feels right for a publication. She well, declared F- FTP, which stands for F the police. Um, this that, is- those are the misdemeanors that in that. I mean, she what the stuff that she said is unbeatable in its vileness. I mean, it is really, it is really incredible. But you're more likely to see her byline in the Globe than this story. Good point. Yeah, you're right. They'll pay her just like they pay Alan Dershowitz. They don't ever uh, ask Dershowitz to explain his relationship with Epstein. They just give him money and he writes about whatever he wants to write about. And they'll pay uh, Monica Cannon Grant, but they will never ask to, her to explain her her comments about Ayanna Presley's opponent. But uh, check it out. That's uh, Tom Shattuck's column. You can follow him on Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow Dave Cullinane. You won't understand a freaking word that Cullinane is tweeting, but uh, you can follow him. It's a challenge. That's kind of where my brain goes at a given moment. There's no thought put out to it. But by the <laughs> way, speaking of Twitter right now, and because, Jerry, I know you love the radio gossip. I don't know what's happening on 98.5, but people are tweeting nonstop that just like Fred is just losing his crap on the air right now. Like he, they might have just taken him off the air. We got to look into this. Well, good, good. I like radio drama. We'll look into that, and uh, uh, maybe, maybe he, uh, maybe he had dinner with some of the Bruins players and oh, thinks boy. he's afraid he might have, you know, gotten sick or something. Some, uh, you know, there's grown men out there who are actually uh, fawning over twenty-one-year-old uh, hockey players. It's kind of embarrassing, but um, 
We'll get it. We'll find out and get into that tomorrow. We'll we'll talk about that tomorrow. We'll get all the details of that. And you know, there's uh, uh, we didn't do it today. Maybe we can do it tomorrow. There's another barstool drama involving my sometimes friend Kirk Minahan. That's pretty crazy. That's that I was following on Twitter. I know Colin Ain loves that stuff, so we can get into that tomorrow too. But uh, thanks, Shattuck, and thanks to Shea Concrete, thanks to Allied Paving, and to uh, DCU. And a flagship, and to Ray, Raycon, correct? Raycon earbuds, yep. I think we sold out a bunch of them, so good job to you. Excellent. Yeah. I love my Raycon earbuds. Yeah. Um, but, uh, thanks to Cullinane. Uh, I'm Jerry Callahan. This is the Callahan Podcast, and we will do it again tomorrow. Why am I stopping? You, no one else stops. I don't. I, can I go home? The Jerry Callahan Podcast. And we're back with breaking news. The new Coke Zero Sugar might be the best Coke ever. That's right, Jim. With an improved taste and zero calories, make sure... Jim. Ooh, yes. This tastes like the best Coke ever to me. We're on the air. I need to try it first. Con cero azúcar y ahora mucho más rica. ¿Será que la nueva Coca-Cola Zero Sugar es la mejor de todas? Descúbrela. New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or re-hung. Enjoy a medium, hotter, iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.